not the physical home. But the metaphysical home that you've built for yourself in your life. What inhabits it? Ma'amur, the home, and what inhabits it? Okay, what inhabits your home? What inhabits your home are material things. What inhabits your home are your mood swings. What inhabits your home is your ego. What inhabits your home is your pride. What inhabits your home is your comforts. What inhabits your home? That home could be a stable, balanced home. But it could also be an imbalanced, demonic home. A home of anxiety and superficiality and lies and deceptions and hypocrisies. All homes have ceilings. But here is the question. What is the ceiling of your home? What is the ceiling of your aspirations and dreams? What are your objectives? Is the ceiling of your home Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Is it that you say, Allah, I want you in my home. I want you in my marriage. I want you as my children. I want you in everything I do. Or is it the ceiling of your home, your degrees, your profession, your whatever it is that people do? The ceiling that you've raised. Now, the profound, and this is why Surah At-Tur shook the earth. Wal-Bahr al-Masjur. The mountain, the home, the ceiling. What best resembles the nature of reality in which we try, which often challenges the mountain that we try to anchor ourselves upon and the home that we try to build. It's this turbulent ocean. And what is the turbulent ocean? If you say, no, it's not a lake of fire in the, in here, in the hereafter, as some have said, which I don't believe. What is the turbulent ocean? You can tell me. What's the turbulent ocean? Do you know what? Life. Life. Al-Bahr al-Masjur. Everything that challenges your home and your ceiling and your mountain in life. In, in 
just a profound six short ayahs, each ayah about two words, an entire philosophy expounded. Boom! And I can show you, if I had my notes, generations of Muslims who understood it exactly like that said, no, 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 no. This saja is not from a human being. No human being could do a saja like that. Six ayahs and you've told us everything about our flood. You know, you don't need to read Plato, you don't need to read Aristotle, you don't need Socrates. Boom! Everything. Is the turbulent ocean going to tear down your ceiling? Going to make your ceiling very low where you suffocate yourself and your family? Are you a broken person who can't dream? Is your ceiling demonic? Is your ceiling divine? How is your ceiling resting upon the foundations of your home? And what is your anchor? Okay, let's pause here and pray us. We're just going to take five to pray us. Okay, 
chapter, another phase yeah. of life. Yeah. So yeah, that's why we're just going to ten in the morning until two.
السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله
Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Oh, no? Okay, wait. Wait, wait a little bit. Sorry. Deep dish is a Deep dish is a Okay, so that's going to be Michelle and Crystal. Uh, yeah. 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 Y
Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, we're starting again. So just so you, you, you get a sense of the richness of the tradition and, and the nuances in the Quran. So I, I, thought, I mean, I keep saying because I, I just feel but I couldn't find my notes, but uh, so I'm doing a lot from memory, but so, uh, but I did find I was able to retrieve one little. So, for instance, one of the early tabi'in Sahl um, said about Al-Bayt al-Ma'mur, "What awal Sahlun anhu qalb imaruhu ikhlasu." So, for the tabi'i Sahl, the reference to Bayt al-Ma'mur is a reference to the heart. And how how you, but that opinion uh, flourished and was developed to considerable heights. I believe that it, it was the early inspiration that the 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 Sahaba understood Surah Al-Pur with, and it was developed to considerable heights by various Sufi commentators on the Quran or Sufi-esque, meaning that they might have not belonged to Sufi tariqah, but they were influenced by Sufi methodologies of tafsir. Um, and it's remarkable that you find this consistency also between the Shia and Sunni tafsir. Um, Okay, so in the interest of, of time, and because I do want to, there's several really important points that we need to deal with. Okay, so then, after 
القسم جواب القسم what is Allah swearing about the oath which alerts you to the to the critical things and what is the deliverable the deliverable that in I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, just a translation. Um, the torment of your Lord will surely come to pass. The punishment. The consequence. That yes, you now have the ability to maneuver and negotiate, to construct and create your tour, your anchor, the mountain, your open book, and your entire household, and your aspirations, and your vision, and your motivation, and what you aspire for, what you want to achieve, the, the saqf, in the midst of the challenges of life, al-Bahr al-Majur, but the critical thing to remember is that there is no doubt if you think that somehow you can fudge the issue of Allah's punishment, it's not the case. Now, Remember that in this context, the pre-Islamic Arabs, although they believed in deities, they didn't believe in a hereafter. They didn't believe in resurrection and they didn't believe in punishment or reward. But they believed in <coughs> deities. And like Judaism, especially Judaism of, of that time, Judaism is a complex phenomenon, but uh, a good part of Judaism for a good part of its history um, emphasized consequences in the here and now. If you're good, you're rewarded here. If you're bad, you're punished here. But the idea of resurrection and consequences the hereafter is very weak in the Jewish tradition. And especially in the among Karaite Jews who were the Jews of the area. But anyway, um, in Christianity, remember, this is the age of Catholicism. There is no Protestant Christianity. And hell and heaven is contingent on the church. The church is the, go is the one that defines who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. And often... It, it is, when we say the will of the church, it was an imperial will because it was the, the church that was in alliance and in fact controlled by the Byzantine Empire, a prominent and powerful empire at the time. And often what, what was needed to make to heaven were indulgences, the, the, the spending of money to buy uh, forgiveness. Arabs at the time 
were through and through pragmatists. If they worshipped, they worshipped to attain a blessing here and now. If they gave something to the deities, they gave something to the deities for protection in the here and now. They completely resisted the idea that there's consequences beyond this life. And so when the Quran is resolutely coming and saying, and in terms of this paradigm shift, you know, this is the certain reality, is that it will come, the, the, the promised punishments will come, and so, there's nothing that can prevent it. So, a common theme in the Quran throughout is to tell you that when that time comes, the nature of reality itself will change. Because when you read things like Yawma Tamuru Sumaura wa Tasiru Jibalu Sayra, the mountains will literally be shifting and moving. Well, how do you conceptualize that? Other than a complete redoing of reality. And time and again, Allah is alerting you, you know, this reality that you have in your, in your world is a constructed reality, but it is entirely contingent on the divine. And in an instant, when the divine wills, everything that you take as the stable reality would be shifting in very drastic and dramatic ways. And when that time comes, those who have not taken life seriously, and here notice, الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي خَوْدٍ يَلْعَبُونَ From the Quranic perspective, when your entire life is about business deals and getting ahead, and increasing your savings, that's play, that's yalab, that's lab, that's being playing around. From the Quranic perspective, all these pursuits that we take very seriously in our highly pragmatized life is nonsense unless it is directed for the right purpose, it is nonsense. And the reality of how much nonsense it is will come to us when the nature of physical reality itself changes. At that time, would say, I mean, you, you, again, remember, our goal is to be what the Prophet is, right? In the eyes of the Lord. You want to be in the eyes of the Lord? Internalize the meaning. Because this is where we're heading. I let the cat out of the bag at the very beginning. You want to be in the eyes of the Lord? Understand that 
in that instant, when you are answering for what you've done with your time, what you've done with your body, what you've done with your life, and as you answer for that, whatever you cannot justify as directed towards a cause anchored in the divine is playfulness. How much playfulness is Allah going to tolerate? What was an intelligent person do you want to take Allah for granted and say Allah will tolerate 90% of my life playful? 50%? Ask yourself, how much of your life is land? And how much of that will be tolerated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And how much of that life makes the foundation of your home, al-bayt al-ma'mur, nonsense? Notice that Surah al-Qur is about self-deception, and we'll get there. It is about delusion. So, the expression, يَوْمَ يُدْعَوْنَ إِلَى النَّارِ جَهَنَّمَ دَعَى هَذِهِ النَّارُ الَّتِي كُنْتُمْ بِهِ تُكَذِّبُونَ كُنْتُمْ بِهَا تُكَذِّبُونَ يُدْعَوْنَ دَعَى They will be literally being shoved along to hellfire. That image among the Arabs that I told you converted because Surah Al-Tur or went into some existential crisis, often it occurred when, because that, that image of being shoved along towards Jahannam is a terrifying one. It's like you, you're scared and you're hesitating. You don't want to walk ahead, you don't want to wash ahead, and you're being shoved along. Now, who's shoving you along? It could be the crowds, it could be angels. According to Prophet Hadith that we don't need to get into, it will be the angels who are shoving people along. Uh, but anyway. Okay. Now, so here is the hellfire that you spent your life not sure about. So many of us, if we're being truly honest with ourselves, the rub for our Iman, is it really? Is it really that what we've done is bad enough to deserve severe punishment? Allah addresses that. Okay, here it is. أَفَسِحْرٌ هَذَا أَمْ أَنْتُمْ لَا تَبْصُرُونَ So, here it is. So, what, what, what now? Is this a delusion? أَفَسِحْرٌ هَذَا A remarkable image. So, is this a mirage now? Is this a fiction? Because it is undeniable, the only reality before you. It, 
if you read the Quran with your heart and soul, it, if you don't tremble with it, something is wrong with you. Because it takes you, delivers, it really, it answers all your inner thoughts and dimensions. Okay, so here it is. You weren't sure? You went back and forth in your life? You thought, well, maybe, maybe this, maybe that. Okay, here it is. Now, is this a mirage? Is this some nightmare? Is this a fiction? A fasihrun haza? And then the very harsh reality. Notice how, how harsh it is. How, how the momentum, the harshness, is, is churning up to deliver a very soft and beautiful point. What is the harshest? Islawha, fasbiru aw la tasbiru, sawa'un alaykum, innama tuzawna ma kuntum ta'amalun. So, are you going to persevere, not persevere? You're going to be able to take it, not take it? It doesn't matter. It's the only reality that confronts you. It's very harsh. It's telling you no appeals, no begging, no justifications, no explanations, and no special circumstance if you deserve that. This is a response to your deeds, to your deeds. Okay. A terrifying image of reality. And as typical of Quranic style, it immediately shifts to tell you of a very different reality. And that's the reality of those who were thoroughly cognizant of their mountain, of their home, of their aspirations, and of the way they navigated the torrents of life. Several important points here. Al-Muttaqeen, which is more, which quite often the Quran refers to those as the Muttaqeen. Muttaqeen, those who are cognizant. The context means cognizant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Notice the imagery of enjoyment. They are saved from hellfire, okay. They are inclining on, as often the, the image that you find in the Quran, inclining on sofas, drinking and eating, having a great pleasurable time. A lot of the Mufassirun note that this notion of inclining ala surar, either surar or whatever the reference to sofas, Persians and Romans, the elite, 
the rich class in Persia and Rome would drink and eat only in, in inclining positions. If you were working class, you would drink or eat sitting up, like you sit at a table now. If you were the aristocracy of society, you would eat and drink inclining. You might have seen that image in some art, but that's exactly, it was a cultural production. The Quran presents that image by basically saying you are, if, 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 on the one hand, it addresses the physical reality that people at the time would connect to. But, as we've, we've talked about before, but we, we, we should underscore it here as well, because I'll show you, for instance, an example. Inclining, drinking, and eating. Now, if this is what you will respond to as the definition of fulfillment and reward, it will appeal to you. But there is a long tradition, because this comes up in the modern age all the time, and anyway. So this is, for instance, an example from Tastira Jilani, which uh, the guys helped me find uh, today, because the, um, so for, uh, he says, وَمْدَرْنَاهُمْ بِفَاكِهَا This is, we, we give them, we give them fruit. So he says, مِنَ الْمَعَارِفِ وَالْحَقَائِقِ الْوَارِدَةِ الْمُتَجَدِّدَةِ آنًا فَآن حَسَبِ الشُّؤُونِ الْإِلَهِيَّةِ وَتَجَلِّيَاتِهِ الْجَمَالِيَّةِ وَالْجَلَالِيَّةِ What he's saying is, in this reality, fruit is relative. If you are a person who wants an apple, a juicy apple, you might have a juicy apple. But if you're a person whose your fruit is not a juicy apple, your fruit is a further insight in the beauty of the divine, then that will be your fruit. Note the way that Surah Tutur deals with reality itself. So when it even it talks about Jannah, so it tells you, as to those who believe, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَاتَّبَعَتْهُمْ ذُرِّيَّتُهُمْ بِإِيمَانٍ أَلْحَقْنَا بِهِمْ ذُرِّيَّتَهُمْ 
وما التناهم ان كان قراءه ان ننظر قراءه وما التناهم من عملهم من شيء so there is another level of happiness and that is who you are going to be with if you are and there is a big long debate in the tradition about what duriya means is it generations beyond you or before you or is it your people like your friends your companions your students those that you feel close to that you are part of the reward is the companionship that you're able to attain but within with the within the principle of individual accountability why is this important because there is debate in the islamic tradition if your son is not very good will allah put your son with you in jannah just to please you and this is a very big debate in the tradition many scholars said yes but only if doing so wouldn't violate the principles of justice so in other words if if it's giving your son extra credit so that there can slightly be bumped up to your status but not if it's going to reward someone who doesn't deserve reward others said no it depends on the piety of waliullah that the, that you could have the type of piety that appeals and this is a long debate that we'll get into in another surah inshallah because surah ibrahim presents us this was a was a better opportunity but the idea of his duriya as a companionship in the hereafter is clearly present in surah at-tur now we come to a two things what time is it i keep telling myself i i don't want to do six hours to, because no one watches six hours but okay but it's very okay anyway um, in a note there is يتنازعون كاسا لا لغو فيه فيها ولا تأسيم um, what is this cats if it, by the way if it's something if it's full it's called the cats if it's empty it's called an ina in Arabic but um, and most if you open most traditional tafsir they tell you this is that you drink um, um, 
but khamr that will not cause intoxication and that will not cause and in some tafsir they even go beyond that and they say oh you know khamr has a bitter aftertaste so that's why you will be eating fruit to overcome you know they get very um uh but again just to give you a taste of here is what Jilani, for instance, says about the issue of cats. Yatanazaun wetajazaboon. Fiha kaksan min rahikit tahkik. Min rahikit tahkik. So the cats here is not an alcohol. But it is the um, um, it's the intoxication of increased knowledge and consciousness. Complete paradigm shift. Ijilani says, well, and Ibn Arabi actually talks about this as well. It says, well, a pious Muslim would have never drank alcohol. So they wouldn't miss it. Yes, for these Arabs at the time, they were all alcoholics. They, at the time Islam is revealed, they drank all the time. And it was going to be a major challenge when Islam bans alcohol because they're going to go through serious alcohol withdrawal. And so... You, you find fascinating discourse that yes, it was appealing to the minds of these simple Arabs who lived to make money and to get drunk and to chase pr prostitutes, but that the meaning can't stop there that the meaning of the Qur'an unfolds to levels of sophistication according to the intended audience at every age and time. So why for the pre-Islamic Arabs, a cas would have met with the alcohol they miss? As Ibn Arabi says, well, someone who've never drank alcohol in their life, why would they miss it? What would an aftertaste of alcohol and, and eating fruit to overcome the aftertaste mean? What would be this, the attraction of drinking hum that doesn't intoxicate for someone who never drank hum? Nothing. I don't miss hum. I never tried hum. It smells disgusting. Stinky. So, it, you know, if Jannah is going to be about drinking khamr, no thank you. <laughs> but if it's going to be about rahiq al-tahqiq, that this symbolizes increased divinity and closeness to divinity, then I am there. And I want it, and I want it passionately. We get to 
something, of course, that the Islamophobes have made, and unfortunately, because Muslims don't know their tradition and because of the influence of the Hur al Ain and Wayatuf alayhim gulmanun lahum kaanahum lu'lu'un maknoon. So, by the way, when it says وَنَحْمٍ مِمَّا يَشْتَهُونَ Ibn Arabi says for those who made it to heaven but in a piggish state, I don't remember exactly the phrase he uses, but basically they're, they, they're, they're pigs, they love <laughs> Allah will say, okay, here's your word, eat meat. But for those who may make it to the elevated status of fi'aynillah, in Allah's eye, they would be in a state where they at all do not covet meat. They have elevated themselves beyond even missing meat. So, and again, I'll give you Jilani basically says it's whatever it's, it, it becomes whatever is necessary for mere substance. So, it is Contingent on an ishtihad. So if you have no ishtihad for mere substance, in other words, you, you, you don't want food at all, then that becomes your reality. Anyway, in the interest of time, let's, let's move, because I want to get to... Um, okay. Um, yeah. Ala surur al-masfufa wa zawajnahum and they will marry Hurain, right? And in verse 24, the traditionists. And what you will find a lot of the in the English translations, Hurain are beautiful, wide-eyed beings, females, that are created for the sole purpose of sexual pleasure. Okay. But how about Why will be beautiful boys be serving them. The Islamophobes said, ah, see, the Muslim God is going to create beautiful children to be sexually used. And I've received a gazillion emails either by Islamophobes pretending to be Muslim or by real Muslims saying, I am having a crisis of faith. How could Allah do this? Doesn't it say that 
Allah is going to create beautiful little boys to be enjoyed sexually. Look at the Quran. Look at the verses. وَزَوَّجْنَاهُمْ بِحُورِ نَعِينَ This is the one. The second, وَيَطُوفُ عَلَيْهِمْ غُلْمَانٌ لَهُمْ كَأَنَّهُمْ لُؤْلُؤٌ مَكْمُونَ Is there, for all the, those who say they're traditionists and literalists, is there an explicit reference to sexual use? Let me take you first with the Hurain. So this is, I, I found, again, I, I couldn't find the Mawardi, but I found, uh, well, hold on, I'll find it. It's technology, so I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, Um, so, Hurain literally wide-eyed, which for Arabs at the time was a sign of beauty. But You could understand it, if you wanted, as beings created for sexual pleasure, but you're reading into the text. Here is what Al-Mataridi says about it. Ah. No, it's not in it's not in the Matridi, so it's it's uh, I, I misremember. But it's an I think it might it must be in Ibn Ashur. Anyway, I'll I'll summarize the debate for you. The the debate is that here when you talk about marrying someone in in Arabic at that time the word that you use is انكحناه. Tazweej is to couple someone with someone else. 
Al-Inkah is what we call an actual marriage. Coupling could include marriage, but could be other than marriage. So that's why, so you take someone like Jilani, and he says, زوجناهم أي وقرناهم استئناسا منا إياهم بحور عين مصورة من المعارف والحقائق المنكشفة لهم المشهودة بعيون بصائرهم What he's saying is and for modern Muslims you have to pay attention what he's saying is, you are going to be coupled with a companion. But that companion is a companion of your own state of spirit and knowledge. Took it out of the realm of gender and sex completely. You're going to have companionship. But that companionship is like in Mullah Sadra's language or in his imagery, it's like a hologram of your own state of consciousness. This is well represented in the Islamic tradition. Like, like the idea that there will be these beings created for sex is well represented. It is up to you to decide which one you want to adopt. Personally, I don't find the idea that Allah is going to create beings so I can enjoy them sexually just or fair or... What does sexual desire mean in the hereafter? I mean, it's a pain in the here now. Do you really want it in the hereafter? Maybe some of you do, I, I don't know. But as your consciousness elevates, if you want companionship, it's not going to be the companionship of sex. It's too passive, too, it's like a meal, you know. Hurain is by its nature an ambiguous expression. And Zawajnao means you couple it. Now, there is a third perspective that I was trying to find in Mataridi, but I think it's in Ibn Ashur. It's not, I think, I'm sure it's in Ibn Ashur. Which is, actually, you find in a lot, you'll find it in Razi as well, that the Hur'in are, if you're, which is a well-represented perspective, if your spouse makes it to heaven, 
then you will be coupled here with your spouse, but your spouse will be very beautiful. So you will get the best beautiful version of your spouse if that is your companionship in the hereafter. I mean, I guess I'm... I don't find that as convincing as what I read in the idea that you are coupled with a companionship of your own consciousness. But maybe, Allah Adam. You know, Allah Adam. Now, how about the Hulman? وَيَطُوفُ عَلَيْهِمْ غُلْمَانٌ لَهُمْ كَأَنَّهُمْ لُؤْلُؤْ مَكْنُونَ This is ayat 24. The boys that are supposed to What is the significance of a غُلْمَان that يَطُوفُ عَلَيْهِمْ It could be understood that these, well, let's see, what does the, the translation say? What is the, how is it translated? In, um, why am I not finding it? Uh, and, oh, I found it. And there will go round boy servants of theirs to serve them as if they were preserved pearls. So, boy servants to serve, does this bring a certain social practice to mind, cultural practice to mind? Slaves, right? But is this what the Quran is referring to? Oh man, uh, you see, I don't trust technology because of this. It, it, it completely went away. Uh, okay, hold on. So, this is from, now this time I'm sure because I, I so this is from Al-Mawardi. It says that the, the reference to the Ghulman, that أَنْ يَكُونَ الْأَطْفَالِ مِنْ أَوْلَادِهُمْ الَّذِينَ صَبَقُوهُمْ فَأَقَرَّ اللَّهُ بِهِمْ أَعْيُنُهُمْ So, Bawardi says there are two perspectives, that they are angelic boys that unrelated to you that are serving, whatever that service is. But the second perspective is that they are your own children. And that yotuf doesn't mean service, 
but means they will be with you. This, especially among those who said that, and this was existed in the Jewish tradition, by the way, that if you have a child that dies, that's especially the ghulam that will be with you and will be presented in their best form. There is a theological debate about whether, because some theologians didn't like that, it's like the Jewish tradition, um, which is, in my opinion, not a good reason to reject it. Um, but, here's the other perspective. So, it says, غُلْمَانٌ لَهُمْ الْغُلْمَان كَيَانٌ مُصَوَّرْ مِنْ قِوَاهِمِ الْمُدْرِكَةِ الْمَمْلُوكَ لَهُمْ الْمُسَخَّرَةِ لِنُفُوسِهِمْ الْمُطْمَئِنَّ الرَّاضِيَةِ بِمُقْتَضَيَاتِ الْقَضَاءِ الْإِلَاهِ فهم في غاية الصفاء عن قدر الهواء ورعونات الرياء واللؤلؤ المكنون مصون محفوظ في أصداف أشباحهم أشباحهم عن التلطخ بقاذورات الدنيا الدنيا What he's saying is the amazing perspective of a hologram of your own being being in your company. So, put it bluntly, in this perspective that unfortunately modern Muslims have largely forgotten, is that to the extent to you elevate your spirit and your soul on this earth, will be your companionship in the hereafter. So think of it this way. If you're a nag, do you want to, a companion who's a nag? If you're abusive and you make it to heaven, do you want a companion who's abusive? Beat the heck out of you? If you're a liar, do you want a companion who's a liar? If you are cold and harsh and unfeeling, do you want a companion who's cold and harsh and unfeeling? It's a complete paradigm shift. Work to establish your companion in the hereafter now. Because literally, as you are treating others, you will be treated. This is if you make it to Jannah. If you make it to hell, goodbye. But you think of what companion you want. If you want a loving, caring, sensitive companion, 
That's going to be your whole aim, and that's going to be your whole man. This tradition, although it is buried in the modern age, was it's what people when 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 people talk about going in training and working on their spiritual being. It is not that they're reading Riyal Salihin or Tarheeb wa Tarheeb and learning, you know, just hadith here, hadith there. They're understanding what it means to fully be in the presence of the divine and to work to cleanse the self. So that you do not create a disaster in the hereafter. Because for, for a person like that, you take the idea of the hereafter very seriously. Your companion will be an image of you. So you better work hard because you're going to get a taste of your own medicine if you make it to heaven. How can more bluntly we put it? A taste of your own medicine. You know, personally, I want someone who constantly talks to me about books. So I work very hard on doing that. I want somebody who just reaps about books all the time. So that's what I work very hard for. Okay. Now, now here, Surah Tutur, after giving you that challenging first the absoluteness of consequence and punishment, the complexity of reward and the nuance of reward, but the endless limits of reward. The crux of the matter as people, and the imagery here is that people that people will start talking about what is it that they've done that ended up being successful. Normally, we are accustomed to when people are starting chattering to each other, with each other in the Quran, it's because they're in trouble. But here, the chatter is because they are reflecting upon what they did right. And as so many have pointed out, the essence of it is inna kunna min qabl nad'uhu innahu huwa al-barrul rahim. They understood that their entire entire gaze, entire orientation is towards al-bar al-rahim 
this is verse 28. What is Al-Barra Rahim? Let's see what they, how he translated. Rahim, of course, is the merciful. But Barra is where I want to... Um, there is a, a wonderful book, 12-volume book about Asma'ullah husna in one of the boxes um, that is among the best books written in the Islamic tradition where you can read a very long discourse, but a beautiful discourse on Al-Barr. Um, so, okay, so the translation... Um, is verily he is al-barr he wrote it in Arabic the most subtle kind cur courteous and generous the most merciful yeah because barr is just hard to translate um, al-barr is a quality one is the quality of faithfulness and someone who never denies what one deserves. But al-birr and the quality of al-bar is someone who goes beyond what justice requires. So when you say, so you've directed your attention with a full awareness that this same God who just talked to you about the consequences of punishment, the very essence, the very nature of this God who we are going, we are working towards becoming in the eye of God, remember, because this is, I keep underscoring this, is that this is a God that doesn't just, is not just about treating you as your just reward, but is going to be, go beyond justice to embrace you. And here in Surah Al-Tur is shifting. Look at the Quranic style. It's like taking your, your, your entire being and telling you, okay, now it's time to reflect more deeply about your relationship with Allah and who is Allah. Oh, okay. Now, then it goes to our exemplar. Uh, and that is why the, the Prophet ﷺ is so core to everything. Our exemplar. And says, so now that I've given you this introduction from the Sajr, the philosophical Sajr, 
to a harsh introduction to a reality that you don't want to confront, to the subtlety of what rewards are the challenge that was in meaningful and truly a challenge for Arabs. So they say, we know, Allah speaking, say, Allah knows Muhammad, that they try to find ways to marginalize you, to ignore you. So we know that sometimes they say you're insane, sometimes they, you say that you're a sorcerer, sometimes they say you're a poet, and we know something that you, Muhammad, weren't present for, and that recently they said, well, you know, maybe if we just ignore him like we've ignored some particular poets, and Nebuchadnezzar Zubiani is the one who they were talking about, maybe eventually his poetry, he, he will be ignored, will be marginalized and forgotten. That's well, if that this is their thinking, and this, by the way, it, 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 it several people, according to reports, converted because that conversation the Prophet wasn't present for. So when the Quran said that, according to reports, it's like, how the heck did he know? Anyway. Say, okay, fine. Then, wait, let's wait it out. But, if this is what your mind is telling you, is this is what your, the, the, your, the, your intellect is able to, to, to generate, then why don't you come up with a revelation or a text or a prose like this Quran? This is why when we keep saying, because often when in America, when we say the, the, the miracle of the Prophet Muhammad was the Quran, people who, I mean, and most Arabs, by the way, their relation to Arabic is abysmal. I mean, just because you're Arab doesn't mean you actually know Quranic Arabic. Colonialism has destroyed the relationship between Arabs and their language. But it was truly for, for these Arabs not to be able to generate a prose like the Quran, it was truly a momentous thing. It was no marginal issue. And that is why the Quran repeatedly challenges them and say, fine, you're saying he's crazy, he's insane, he's a poet, then surely you can do better or the same. Even come up with a little bit like that. Okay, let's pause here, pray Maghrib, and then we're close. So, you know, I can't really see you, but I feel energy. 
that's a little exhausted, so I don't know. Yes or? No, no, good, go ahead. No, I'm good. Okay, my, so my thermometer is off. That happens all the time. Let's pray, mother.